Hey, yo, you know what time it is. It's time for you to strap up your Timberlands, because this is a Daily Knicks podcast. On this episode of the podcast, what are we talking about? The Knicks really bad. Losing streak, when will it end? Will the lineup changes ever end? Evaluating the trade value for Tim Hardaway, Trey Burke, and his canter, and discussing Fisdale's coaching style. Let's go! All right, back again with another edition of the podcast. You know me as Justin, a.k.a. Justin Credible. And <laughs> it's been a long week. It's been a long week. So the Knicks just finished up their road trip, losing all three games um, on the trip. They've suffered losses to the Thunder, Pelicans, and the Magic, um, losing, uh, giving up. Over 128 points in each game. Um, they weren't competitive in the Thunder game. They were kind of blown off from the start. Uh, the Pelican game, they led for majority of the game. And then eventually they just succumbed to a better team. And then they faced the Magic where they, I don't know what it is with this Magic team. They they fell behind early. Uh, they come all the way back. They basically make it a one-point game at half. They fall down early. They fall down again in the third quarter, come all the way back, uh, down by one again, fall down in the fourth quarter, come all the way back, and then eventually the Magic just took them out of their misery, beating them 131 to 117. The next game for the Knicks is against the Trailblazers on Tuesday. I'm recording this on a Monday. Uh, it's honestly, you know you know that the Knicks aren't in a good place when uh, asked today um, about how to stop Damian Lillard and uh, T.J. McCollum. And um, David Fizdale's quote was prayer. Um, so, I mean, points for being honest. Uh, so, it looks bad. Um, I, it's funny. I, I meant to start with the, uh, like, when this streak will end. Uh, it's not going to be anytime soon. Uh, if you look at their schedule, if you go down the next month, the month of November of uh, December, I should say, is not going to be pleasant for the Knicks. So their next game, they probably won't be favored until they play the Nets. They don't play the Nets to the eighth in between the Nets at home. I'm assuming also without Karis Avert. Um, prayers up for his ankle. That's surprised that he didn't break his leg like Alex Smith. But they play the Blazers on, th- on uh, Tuesday. Then they're at the Celtics Wednesday. They're the Pelicans again on Friday. They're at the Grizzlies on Sunday night. Then they're at the Pistons, at the Sixers, home to the Bucks, home to the Wizards, at the Celtics again, and then back home against the Nets on the 8th. If we want to be real, real logistic, I don't know if, if Levert's coming back for that game. I, I figured he's not, but they didn't really put a timetable out for him. The next game, the Knicks probably will be favored in. I don't even know if they're going to be favored, but they play the Cavs on the road on the 12th. So that is it. Today is the 19th. So that is almost a month. It's three weeks. And so you can at least think that they may or may not be favored. You never know where the Cavs schedule is going. So obviously as a fan, I'm upset. I've watched every game this season. It's extremely frustrating watching them play now just because they – 
they they don't play well and then they come back. It's the worst type of way to watch. It's like they could win this game, but they don't win the game, so you kind of feel bad. But then you remember, oh, we're not really supposed to win this game. Then you watch Duke and you make yourself feel a little bit better. I hate losing. I hate watching losing. I hate talking about a team. Per- they're not purposely losing. They're just not good. Um, so <laughs> this win streak is probably not or win streak. It's losing streak is probably not going to end for a very 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 long time now. The main thing in the room, obviously, everyone's talking about are the lineup changes. So the lineup was changed again previously before they played OKC. Um, so Neil Aquina and Dotson went to the bench and inserted the three rookies. Three rookies are all starting. So Knox and um, Trier is now starting in the games. So um, the starting lineup, you know, for going forward is going to be Moutier. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr., Trier, Knox, and Mitch Robinson. That unit is not good <laughs> to, to make the most part. Uh, so in the two games they've had, two out of the three games, they've gone down by huge leads. They had one big lead in New Orleans, but they've had, they've just fell down a lot. And the main thing is that because, um, one, they're young. They're starting three rookies. And their second best defensive player on the court is Tim Hardaway Jr. That's recipe for you not to be good. Um, it's obviously that like the, the main issue is defense. They are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I can check out their defensive rating in a moment. But um, they can't seem to guard like the simplest of plays. Um, in any type of in any type of uh, skill set in any type of way, um, they have a hard time covering back doors. Back doors is what killed them all um, day last uh, last night, and it's just one of those things where it's like one is experience and two is lack of ability. And unfortunately, they have the inability to actually like stay in front of anybody. So currently, the Knicks are the third worst defensive rated team in the NBA to give it up an average of 112 a game. They're only ahead of the wizards and the Cavs. wizards are not good, but they're only ahead of the wizards and the Cavs uh, by not even a full point. The Wiz- the Knicks are at 112.1. The wizards are at 112.2. The Cavs are at 112.8. So this is not a good defensive team. Now, what can alleviate some of that and what I think most Knicks fans want to see is an end to these various lineup changes. Now, Fisdale has come out and said that he probably is going to end the merry-go-round of lineup changes once we get to like the 20, 25 game mark of the season, which is coming up. The Knicks have played their seventh, they just played their 17th game. So they would have played their 20th game or so around the time they play the wizards, you know, um, in a couple of weeks on the third, um, so by that token, we would assume that we'd have our set starting five. Now, if it was, I think most Knicks fans would want to see the starting five of Robinson, Knox, Dotson, Hardaway, and Nilakina. I think that's the five that gives you the most ability to at least keep people in front of you. Um, and 
able to do a lot of the switching that Rob, that uh, Fizdale wants to do and also gives you the ability to push the pace because you have a lot of athletic young guys on the court at one time and able to get up and down the court. The biggest problem with that, which is the biggest problem the last couple of games, which outside of the fact that the Knicks, you know, they can't physically guard anybody, um, their biggest problem is they commit too many fouls. They foul all the time. We saw it last game. Um, uh, Anthony Davis destroyed the Knicks bigs, whether it was Cantor, Vonley, Robinson. They got He got them all in foul trouble. He took an absurd amount of foul shots because they foul. Kevin Knox, his biggest issue right now is not even the shooting. It's not even the you know, ability to get to the rim or the foul shooting. It's the fouls. He commits too many fouls during the game. He was visibly frustrated in the last game in his home state, which is kind of weird. He's from Tampa. And if this is between Orlando and Tampa, it's like, I mean, like a two-hour drive or so. You can – fun fact from Florida, you can actually take a plane from Tampa to Orlando. It's about a like 20-minute flight, maybe 30-minute flight, but still. You could fly from Tampa to Orlando. But either way, um, he had one of his worst games. Uh, he didn't play a lot of minutes. He shot the ball really inefficiently. Um, he has to learn to stop fouling to, just to stay on the court. Um, that really will actually allow him to grow as a player. Um, but, again, he's still really young. He's only played 17, not even 17 games. Probably, I think he's only played 10 games. This was his 10th game in the league. Um, you know, same thing with Robinson. Like, so let me just transition this. Anyone's read the book, Malcolm Gladwell's book uh, called Blink? Uh, then you know what I'm talking about. It's basically the concept of like you're thinking without thinking. It's kind of the idea of like your first instinct is typically your right instinct. Uh, it's like trusting your surroundings. Like it doesn't take long for someone to to you to find someone attractive. You look at them and immediately you're attracted. You're not. You know, now you can develop attraction, obviously, when you talk and speak and things like that. But it's just on a base of physical attraction, you can kind of get it. Um, whether you respect someone or you're not, you kind of, once again, you blink. Think about it. You kind of do or you don't. That's kind of how at least I saw the season. You can tell the team is without talent when you have a second-round pick who didn't play um, – college basketball and an undrafted rookie who played four years in college are starting on your team starters, not even coming off the bench, not even bench bench warmers, not coming off the bench. They're starting for you. Like people always want to know why Trier didn't get drafted. There's a reason why he didn't get drafted. There's a reason why he's on a two way contract. There's a reason why Mr. Robinson went the second round. There are actual basketball reasons why and you can see these guys are still really young i'm not saying they're not talented i'm not saying they can't play in the league but <clears throat> you can see how these guys fall into the fall through the cracks like why they are where they are now the biggest issue i guess um where we're coming to actually you know what let's take a break we'll be right back
All right, we're back. Okay, so the biggest issue for the team is basically what to do kind of heading forward. Um, currently, the Knicks, I presume, have three legitimate tradable options. Um, they can trade away Hardaway, they can trade away Burke, and they can trade away Cantor. Burke and Cantor are on um, basically one-year deals left, and um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing the best of his career. He just had another 32-point game. Now, it's the concept of they're already getting blown out. Why even have these guys on the team anymore? You're the idea of we're losing with you, we can lose without you. Now, it's interesting like how they're actually able to finesse this if this is even a thing to happen. Um, I was having a back and forth um, with one of the Knicks writers uh, for the Knicks school talking about potentially trading Tim Hardaway to the Pelicans. Now, that's interesting. After watching them play, uh, I don't know if that makes enough sense for the Pelicans in the idea of they are already scoring a decent amount of points. They don't actually need any help in that area. Um, They're one of the highest rated offensive teams in the league. Uh, they push the pace all the time. They have one of the most dynamic offensive players in the game in Davis. Um, I don't think they need, I guess, like a below average three-point shooter to take away shots. Uh, To me, that doesn't really make sense on their end of it. Uh, The trade that I guess that's been kind of floated, you can look up um, Bill Simmons for the ringer. I don't know if I talked about this already, but Bill Simmons, the ringer, talked about maybe potentially sending him to Utah as a backup role, which – could work. Um, they definitely need more scoring. Uh, and I think I think everyone in the West at least is looking at this thing that's happening with Golden State, which I'll get to at the end. This is their opportunity to potentially just go for it now, maybe before the real everything falls apart. Because if you kind of look at Golden State's run over the last couple of years. Uh, but Monty Jones, for the right time, also on ESPN, made a good point about this. Golden State hasn't cakewalked through the through the West like most people thought, you know? Like, a couple of years ago when they when it was them and uh, and the Cavs in the East, I think it was the year they, uh, they lost, actually. Um, between those years, they haven't cakewalked. The year they won 73 games, they had... Um, they were down 2-1 two different times <laughs> to a team, and they had uh, Kawhi's foot happened. Um, last season, they were on the ropes and arguably should have lost to the um, – and eventually should have lost to the uh, Houston Rockets. They were down 3-1 <laughs> against Gold, uh, the um, Oklahoma City – and then beat them, came all the way back from a 3-1 defeat and beat them. So these haven't been cakewalks, even with Durant last year. So especially with the fact that Curry's getting older, he just had a, now a groin injury that's happened to him. He's been in and out the lineup a lot over the last couple of years. I mean, he only played 50 games last year. He's already missed, I think, six or seven games this year with his groin injury. He appears to be coming back. But... My thing is, like, his body is just not – he's going to kind of go the Chris Paul route uh, in a sense where, like, his body is just not going to hold up. 
you can just tell he's not able to play 80 or 70 games a year anymore. But he's such a dynastic offensive player that most people haven't really caught up to this. So if you're in the West, I think the Knicks have to look at teams willing to take that risk. And for a team, if even if you take like someone like Utah, Utah is the classic case of, okay, we're not going to get free agents. We're not going to um, be able to attract any type of big-time star, and we're too good to be in the lottery. You know, They should make this trade. It helps them now. Um, it gives them a player that's going to stay for two years with Donovan Mitchell, seeing that um, he has two years left on his contract. One's a player option, but he's not getting that money anywhere else. And worst comes to worst, they can just trade him again in a year from now, I guess. Yeah, whenever his player option comes up. So in 2020, the 2020 to 2021 season, they can just trade him again um, and get something else back for him. So I think that would be a good trade for both sides. Um, The details of it would be kind of murky, but I definitely think that could work. Now, Cantor and Burke are going to be tough just because Burke and Cantor, neither can really play any de- type of defense. Burke can. Burke is at least able to, like, you if you put him on a team with, like, has strong defensive players and they need kind of like a backup kind of guard, like, in a way to be able to make shots just for them to keep the offense afloat, um, that would be interesting. Like, maybe even OKC, but I, I doubt OKC wants to make any more trades with the Knicks at that Carmelo thing. Um, but... If they just wanted a guy to be able just to make a couple of shots for them in a couple of stretches, whenever Paul or um, whenever Paul or Westbrook take a seat, Burke is that kind of guy to be able to keep you afloat, especially get to the foul line. He took a lot of foul shots. That's the biggest thing about him. He's getting to the line, which is great for any type of player that they want to have. And then you can also have, they're such a good defensive team that you're able to hide him on defense, be able to recover for other spots. The one guy who I don't see getting anywhere is Enos Cantor. He, I feel like this is going to come off as me hating him. And I feel like a lot of times on this podcast, it comes off of me not liking him as a player. And it's true. I don't like the way he plays basketball. However, I think he's a great person. The thing about Cantor is his numbers are extremely misleading. I was just the other day talking to someone about this same subject. While he gets his numbers, he's the classic bad player, good stats guy. So you look at his numbers, and last night I think he had like 19 and 21 or 21 and 19. It's 21 and 19. And if you just step back, you're like, wow, those are great numbers. But when he's giving up so many points and has a negative plus minus for the season, he's that bad on defense. He's that bad. And when you're in the playoffs, like OKC showed us with the can't play cancer meme, it doesn't matter how many times you – he has to be such a great offensive player. See, the difference between guys like Cantor and Tim Hardaway Jr. and someone like James Harden is, yes, James Harden might give the guy across from him 20, 20 to 25 points, whoever he's guarding. Or or while he's on the floor, he is his ability is going to give up 20 plus points to whoever he's guarding. The difference is his offense is able to generate anywhere between 30 and 70 points. And the difference in that 
is obviously enough to have one of the best teams in the Western Conference. So I say all that to say is that Enos Cantor cannot be that dominant of an offensive player, but he's that bad of a defensive player. So him getting traded, I think is null. I can't see. I really thought about it. I was going through a bunch of teams. I can't see any team wanting to have him on the roster. He's he's such a negative on defense, and he can't even play the four. He has to play the five. And if he's your five, you're giving up layups every time down the court because you're just going to switch, 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 get him on you, take him off the dribble, and he's either just going to foul or give up the shot. So I definitely would want personally to see the Knicks. It, it seems more likely that he will – he will ask or the Knicks should come to an agreement on a buyout for him. Just for the fact that he's 26, he's still a young enough player. He wants to get paid. And if his minutes hit a certain, because the thing about it is like, he's still playing good minutes. He's still getting his minutes in the game because he's playing well offensively at the time. Um, but I can't see any team actually making a trade for him. And the, the Knicks aren't going to, just bet. he's not going to accept the role, basically the Joakim of it, and just be like, "All right, I'm going to go sit on the bench for the rest of the season." No, he wants to play, like he should. He has the right to want to play. Now it comes down to the Knicks to be like, "Hey, listen, like we are going to move forward with the younger bigs on our roster, especially if or when Chris Stapps comes back." So having one less big would make a lot of sense. So having a buyout for cancer would make sense. Now, I don't know if there's a buyout rule. I haven't looked into like if you can only buy out a certain amount of players in the season. Um, I don't think that's a rule. Um, if there is, tweet me or you know whatever, let me know. But if that's, if that's legal, if they can do that, which I think they can, um, I definitely think that's an option for the Knicks. Just for the fact that uh, they uh, <laughs> they can't actually, um, you know, come to agreement on a trade with anyone. All right. Oh, and last point, and um, come back. So take a, take a quick break again. All right, so last two things. So basically just on the Fisdale coaching. So I gave a little bit of critique last time we did this podcast about some of the lineups that he chose or like the timing of the lineups. But we have to accept the fact that this team isn't um, as good as it's going to be or as I, at least I previously thought. Um, I still have some issues with the out-of-bounds plays and – not the in-game lineup decisions, but at the same time, he's kind of hamstrung with the players he has on the roster. So you can only play the guys you have, and they don't have great talent on the team. But overall, I think of what has been asked of him. If we, you know, sat back and look, and we said, just don't don't worry about the record. What's the thing that you want to see 
17 games to the season. You would probably say, I would want Mitchell getting some minutes. I would want Kevin Knox getting some burn. I want to see what Trier does. You want to see what you have in your roster, 17 games in. And for the most part, we've seen. We've seen what Nilakina is right now. We know what Moutier is right now. Same thing with uh, Robinson. You've seen Trier play at a higher level than most people expected. Knox has been injured, but he's getting minutes now to determine whether or not he can be uh, a franchise player moving forward. So 17 games in, while I may not like the out-of-bounds calls or I may not like every roster change, he's done what I would assume the management has told him to do. Now, Obviously, it could get better. The Knicks are competitive. They've only gotten blown out, I believe, in only two games so far, really. They got blown out of the Magic game, and they got blown out in, well, three games. Magic, OKC, and there was one other game. I can't think of the top right now what it was. But they they haven't really been – they've been competitive in pretty much every game they've played. And like I said before, that November stretch, last time I was on this, before they played the Raptors was important to see if they were going to make a playoff push, and they're clearly not. The East is a lot better. Uh, if you can't beat the Orlandos of the world, they beat, beat you two times in a week, you're not, you're not going to make playoffs. You're not even close. Uh, so for them, it's strictly just getting playing time for everyone who is going to be on this roster in the future. And they have. Um, has it been to the detriment of the team? Yeah, clearly. I mean – I don't think they would win more games if they play cancer more or whatever, but they, they're not a good team, and it makes sense for them to be able to see what they have, trade whoever they can at the trade deadline, and acquire assets for next season. And even if they get Kevin Durant, if they don't get Kevin Durant, the best thing for the team is able to just develop the players they have and just move forward with that. All right, time for the mashup. We all know what time it is. This is the part where I take something kind of off-brand and combine it with something that's a little bit on-brand. So I talk about two kind of virtual things that kind of smash them together. So this one, I'm going to talk a little bit about relationships. So you're in a relationship and you're there and mentally you just start thinking of other things you want to do. You make up reasons to hang out with your friends. Maybe go hang out, spend some more time with your cousins, brothers, and sisters. Maybe finally fix the car that you need to fix for a long time. That's you mentally checking out. You might still show up to everything on time. You still might buy the gifts. You still might care deep down. But in the back of your mind, you know, it's over. It's not bad, I would say. You know, people are human. But some of us mentally check out. And they just know that this relationship is eventually coming to an end. That's the Golden State Warriors. Mentally, they're just not there. They lost three straight. They lost every game in Texas that they had. Um, They lost to Dallas in a weird way. Um, The team is playing funky uh, this I don't know how, you know, Draymond had a toe injury, then he came back from the toe injury, then he was fine. Now he had um, 
Now he had time off. Then he had another game that he rested because of the suspension. Then he came back, and then they didn't play well. They got blown out of Houston. Now he's back hurt. But he didn't re-injure the toe injury. So for me, that just seems like we're trying to do everything we can to keep Kevin Durant. Now, I think this is salvageable just because there is nobody that's going to beat this team, at least in the West. They're getting to the finals. Um, the talent is too big. Now, again, what I try to tell y'all is that the Lakers are getting to a three seed. They might get to the two seed because the, the idea of LeBron James not winning 50 games, I don't care what conference, I don't care what time it is, I don't care what era he plays in. He is the greatest uh, basketball player of all time, ever. That is not a debate. He is the greatest basketball player ever. And so for him, a team that won 35 games, now a conference that lost Kawhi Leonard, that just lost Jimmy Butler, um, that is going to lose Kevin Durant, hopefully, is a team that, or is a conference that is all disarray. I think the, the um, Portland has the best, has the second best record or the best record now in the West. My point being is that the, everything falls apart. These aren't the things that destroy great families, great dynasties. It isn't injuries. It isn't fatigue. It isn't age. It's ego. And it's the thing that destroys great countries and great people all the time. All right. That's it for the show. Thank you guys again for taking the time out to listen to me. Make sure you follow the Daily Knicks all the time. Make sure you look for me, Justin Richards. That's the, the name you want to look for. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, all right? Anywhere, everywhere you want to see. Tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your cousin. So whatever you want to about this. Um, and thank you guys for listening to me for almost half an hour. All right. Talk to you guys next week.